they're rising, they're rising, they keep rising, the cold. There's nothing we can do to stop them. This region's on top of it. Shut it down, shut it all down. What do you mean the whole thing? Shut the whole economy down. There's going to be riots in the street. I don't want to panic. This country, everybody's going to die. Everybody, you know, your snack spaghetti sauce at a store. Initiate Operation Warp Speed. Commence the political dampener. Damn it, Jim, I'm a comedian, not a political science major. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Hey guys, how's it going? We're back here for another episode of In Chaos We Trust. Andrew's setting this one out, but uh, it's me and Ian today. You know, it's uh, we're recording this on Sunday, May 16th, bringing it into the week for you. And yeah, we've got a pretty full docket of things to talk about, so I guess we'll just get on into it. But uh, yeah, before we do, as usual, get on down to Riverside Wine and Spirits right there on Manufacturers Road and Merchants on Main. I've got some photography in there, so check that out. And comedy's opening back up, so make sure you check out. I guess uh, JJ's is doing shit on his pint. Um, I saw um, Exile's going to have some shit. Yeah, those are. I think I, I think those are book shows, but they're, yeah. they're, the ones I've seen are, are pretty fantastic. Yeah. I don't have the information in front of me, but um, look that up. Um, just follow like Ryan Darling; he's putting all yeah, those yeah. shows together. Um, and then uh, I know that uh, there's. Pax Brew Room's coming back. Donnie's bringing that show yep, back. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, I know that I've heard of one popping up maybe at the Black Cat. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's a Monday night mic at Ziggy's if you if you're brave. Um, and uh, you know it, it it's 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 seems like I was talking about possibly bringing a mic back. I don't know that there's room for another one. Yeah, maybe wait for it to cool for a minute mm-hmm. and see which ones survive and shake yeah. out. Well, hey, like, you know, more more stage time and less responsibility for me is, is a plus. So yeah. If I don't have to run a room, I'm not. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, go check those out. Stay on top of that. Go support your local comics and do the same for local musicians. Go see where uh, some of those open mics are. See who's performing where. Because the world's opening back up, which I guess what we'll talk about first is uh, the CDC issued. Uh, I don't know if they issued it, but I guess put out a statement saying that if you're vaccinated you can chill on the social distancing and you don't have to wear a mask indoors and you know basically all that jazz so you know i'm very pro vaccine i was still i still wear a mask in the grocery store now i think that's just a good idea um especially handling produce and things like that um but yeah we're seeing we're starting to see this division this mass division happen on the other side because basically the CDC saying basically the CDC saying this is basically making business owners the mask police now. Mm-hmm. So some businesses are choosing to keep the mask rule, which is that's their own prerogative. And I'm a big fan of you know do what you want to do. I appreciate freedom. Um, so if you still want to wear a mask, wear a mask. I don't care. But it's starting to get to the point where I feel like uh, we were talking about this in the chat a little bit about how there's some people going on the other side going real hard because they don't quite want it to go back right to how it was before. Yeah, I think I think what happens with some people, um, you know, because and granted, I've been on that team, too, for the past year, screaming at the people who are noncompliant and saying like, oh, yeah. 
like you're, 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 you're terrible people, you know, and you need to do the right thing. Like me, I'm doing the right thing. You know, I feel good about doing the right thing. Uh, in a year of, you know, boosting yourself up, following the rules, being obedient. Um, and then, uh, you know, now, and, and also like the people who were non-compliant tended to be Trump people, very easy to dislike those people, very easy to lump. Okay. If they don't believe in, you know, the, the seriousness of the coronavirus or wearing masks or things like that, that means they're anti-science means they're probably lower, uh, you know, low educated, probably racist, probably, you know, homophobic, all all these things um, get lumped in with that sort of, you know, group. And Mm -hmm. so now that the world is, does seem to be healing and we are seeing, you know, a return back to normal, a lot of people I think are still programmed into that where it's like, mm-hmm. no, that's the other team. No, we're the team that wears masks. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, and like businesses, I'm not knocking any businesses who, who still want people, uh, patrons to wear masks because you don't know, like people have to work mm-hmm. and you don't know what someone's vaccination situation is where they work, you know, like they have to go in, even they may, they may not have had both shots yet or any shots yet. Um, so I, to me, it doesn't seem unreasonable for a business to still expect that knowing that they'll know their situation better than you, the customer would. Um, but I think, you know, tiptoeing back into normalcy is a good idea. I think, uh, you know, I went, I was prepared to wear, to mask up at JJ's this past Thursday. It, mm-hmm. That's when they re- put out the statement. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try it. I stay pretty quarantined, so I'm wor- I'm not worried so much about me spreading it to anyone else. If I catch it, you know, then hey, then I guess the vaccine doesn't work that well, you know. Mm-hmm. But whatever, I I decided to go with my gut. I didn't mask up, hung out in a um, crowded bar with a lot of old friends. Felt like good times. Felt, felt right. And um, you know, I it's 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 a it's a delicate thing, and I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna begrudge anyone. Like I said, from the business side, but from the personal side, you know, again, you just kind of want to, you know, I I followed the numbers and the science this whole time. And now I'm doing what the science tells me now, which is an always evolving thing. So sorry to go on that tear, but that's just my take on it. No, and that's kind of been my take the whole time is following the science. And I hate this uh, trend that the right has now of like, fuck scientists and doctors and educated people like that just that's ignorant thinking like that's genuinely fucking ignorant but the left sometimes sometimes likes to ignore science too so uh yeah i've always been a follower of science i'm i'm trying to get truth out of whatever's happening i i'm not trying to pick sides i'm just trying to get truth so i can figure shit out for myself and so along those lines it's starting to come out a little bit about fauci here is he, um, let me see if I've got this. So he was on, I guess he was pulled in front of a committee and Rand Paul, who I think he's a pretty deplorable human being myself. I don't like the guy. I think he's a walking turd pile. Yeah. Not a fan, but you know, that doesn't mean that a broken clock isn't right twice a day. And, uh, so it's starting to come out a little bit, basically that some of this, I don't know. This is interesting to me because it's starting to come out that maybe the virus did in fact come from a lab Yeah. where when Trump was in office, because Trump was saying this and I'm not saying Trump had any information on this. He was probably just taking shots in the dark, but because he said it leaked from a lab, all of a sudden that was racist against Asians. Well, the, the, um, the, the, the way the delivery of that information is important too, because mm-hmm. um, like the lab leak, 
you know, hypothesis that's going around now, um, to my understanding is they're, they're saying it's accidental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that it wasn't like intentional. Although I think the purpose, the purpose of some of these uh, questions we're about to listen to is that some of that, the, the research that was going on that, that would have caused that kind of stuff wasn't necessarily up to snuff and it's stuff that Fauci was actually funding in his, uh, in his position. Um, but I, and that's, that's my very narrow understanding of it. I've, I've, yeah, I haven't been as close to the news as I used to be. Um, but, uh, they, um, I forgot what I was going with that elsewhere. So you can, you can just, yeah, I'll just play the clip here, but yeah, I'll just say before I play it is, uh, yeah, you don't have to pick a side here. That's what people need to start understanding about politics is that like, you don't have to be fully liberal. You don't have to be fully conservative. You don't have to pick a side. You you should be able to look at two people arguing and it's like, I don't really like Fauci. He's done some pretty deplorable shit. I really don't like Rand Paul, but that doesn't mean that uh, what Rand Paul is suggesting here is incorrect. So let's just take a listen to what he's got to say. In a lab in Wuhan or evolved naturally, but we should want to know. Three million people have died from this pandemic and that should cause us to explore all possibilities. Instead, government authorities, self-interested in continuing gain-of-function research, say there's nothing to see here. Gain-of-function research, as you know, is juicing up naturally occurring animal viruses to infect humans. To arrive at the truth, the U.S. government should admit that the Wuhan Virology Institute was experimenting to enhance the coronavirus's ability to infect humans. Juicing up super viruses is not new. Scientists in the U.S. have long known how to mutate animal viruses to infect humans. For years, Dr. Ralph Barrick, a virologist in the U.S., has been collaborating with Dr. Shi Zengli of the Wuhan Virology Institute, sharing his discoveries about how to create super viruses. This gain-of-function research has been funded by the NIH. The collaboration between the U.S. and the Wuhan Virology Institute continues. Doctors Barrick and Shi worked together to insert bat virus spike protein into the backbone of the deadly SARS virus and then used this man-made supervirus to infect human airway cells. Think about that for a moment. The SARS virus had a 15% mortality. We're fighting a pandemic that has about a 1% mortality. Can you imagine if a SARS virus that's been juiced up and had viral proteins added to it, to the spike protein, if that were released accidentally. Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entire, entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain of function research in the Wuhan Institute. Do they fund of Dr. Barrick? We do not fund. Do you fund gain, Dr. Barrick's gain of function research? Dr. Barrett does not doing gain of function research. And if it is, it's according to the guidelines and it is being conducted in North Here's Carolina. Here's the pivot. Not you don't think inserting a bat virus spike protein that he got from the Wuhan Institute into the SARS virus is gain of function. That is you would not a minority because at least 200 scientists have signed a statement from the Cambridge Working yeah. Group saying that it is gain of function. Well, it is not. And if you look at the grant and you look at the uh, progress reports, it is not gain of function, despite the fact 
that people tweet that. So do you still support sending money to the Wuhan Virology Institute? We do not send money now to the the Wuhan uh, Virology Institute. support sending money? We did, under your tutelage. We were sending it through EcoHealth. It was a sub-agency and a sub-grant. Do you support the money from NIH that was going to the Wuhan Institute? Let me explain to you why that was done. The SARS-CoV-1 originated in bats in China. It would so have just, been irresponsible. Uh, I'm going to pause it here us. for a second because, again, like for people listening, this is Dr. Fauci and Rand Paul. Rand Paul's questioning him, and then Dr. Fauci trying. It's like you can see him pivoting in real time. Yeah, like all of a sudden, you know, we weren't doing gain of function research. Then all of a sudden, it's like, well, if he does doing gain of function research, it was according to our our research policies. Yeah, our guidelines. So it's like. So you were saying there's none, and now you're saying there's some with guidelines? Yeah, and then saying we weren't working with the Wuhan lab to do gain-of-function research. Well, we didn't give them any money. Well, did you give it to this one doctor? Yes. Well, that one doctor was working at the Wuhan lab, or at least with the Wuhan lab. So it's like he's pivoting in real time. And uh, so I don't know. I don't know if I even need to play this whole thing, because that's basically the gist of what I wanted to get across, Yeah, is that... You know, a broken clock still right twice a day. And Trump probably had no actual knowledge on this, but was in fact just being racist and calling it the Chinese virus and all this. But turns out after the fact, there does seem to be some truth that this may have leaked from a lab. Right. It seems like that. And it seems like we had our hands in it too. Like it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just them. You can't call it the China virus. It's just by yeah. way, it's, it's, it's the U.S. virus by way of China. Like basically mm-hmm. from, from what I'm gathering from it. Um, but yeah, Fauci has been sketchy this whole time. Yeah. Like, and like, don't get me wrong. I, I understand the need that when we're in, you know, a global pandemic and there's, it's a, it's a crisis situation. Um, there, there, there some white lies I could, I could, I could see I, his just never made sense to me. Like mm-hmm. the whole, like, uh, you know, well, we don't want, we want to discourage people from wearing masks early on, um, like so that we that way we can ma- maintain enough stock for the the healthcare workers mm-hmm. just say that yeah don't say yeah. you shouldn't have to wear a mask cuz then later when the the stocks open up and there's plenty of them and you're like okay now that there's plenty of masks everyone needs to wear masks and I was like you just said not to like mm-hmm. so it it sends this double message and it makes people not know what to trust it fuels the fire of these conspiratorial people yeah. who, who never who never took it seriously um yeah i, I think that his handling of, of things was was not not admirable mm-hmm. One, it's fueled. So now we're in a position where Trump fueled like an ignorant perspective, this Chinese virus. It was leaked from a lab because China's trying to take down our economy and all this. That may be true. Who the fuck knows? But because of that, it pushed people on the left to immediately discredit the idea entirely and say there's no way this leaked from a lab. It came from a bad in a market. And all of a sudden you were racist if you held this theory. Now we're here where there may be some truth to this theory, but there are going to be people on the left that completely reject it on that same basis. Right. Which that's the same ignorance that forced people on the right to not wear masks in the first place. Yeah, it's not it's not about what the facts are. It's about what you know, what what believing this certain group of facts says about you as a person. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's not how we should do things. No. Like, well, 
I don't, you know, it's to, it's what towing the party line is. It's literally going like, I'm, 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 I'm on this team. I don't care what, you know, I don't make the decisions of what this team does, but I'm on this team. Yeah. Well, speaking of towing party line, let's move on to Liz Cheney here. Um, unless, well, I guess we were going to watch this weekend update, but I guess we pretty much covered. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just knew it happened last night. Um, I don't know much about it. Um, it's three minutes. Let's see what they got. It's Weekend Update with Colin Jost and Michael Chang. I actually think... Good evening, everyone. Sorry, well, can you pause it for just a second? Sorry. I actually think the uh, the Fauci bit is in the cold open. Oh, okay. I just saw a thing. Yeah, so I didn't know. Oh, I didn't right know here. it's... Okay. Yeah, it's something see. I scrolled past and earlier. Now, a message from Dr. Anthony Fauci. This is SNL's Anthony Fauci. Yeah. It's your boy Fauci, the patron saint of Purell. As you probably heard, we got some very good news this week, and I'm not just talking about J-Lo and Ben Affleck. And ben. The uh, CDC announced that people who are vaccinated no longer need to wear masks, outdoors or indoors. Pretty great, right? But a lot of people had questions, such as, what does that mean? What the hell are you talking about? Is this a trap? So, to clear things up, I found a few doctors at the CDC who minored in theater, and I asked them to reenact various scenarios in order to demonstrate correct mask behavior. And remember, they only had 24 hours to put this little show together, so uh, please welcome the CDC players. And their first scene, man walks into a bar. Welcome to a bar. Thank you. Do I still have to wear a mask indoors? You actually do not. Great. Well, as long as you're vaccinated. No, I'm not. Oh, then that's bad. Well, I'm entering a bar at 11 a.m. Did you really think I was vaxxed? Because that's on you. You're right. I deserve COVID. And see. That's the right takeaway. The real point is we have to trust each other. So please be honest and respectful. Let's see how that plays out in our next scene, The Friendly Skies. Stewardess, may I have another scotch on the rocks? I'm a businessman and I need it to relax from business. You can have a scotch, but when you're not drinking it, you need to keep your mask on. Good to know. By the way, I've been stuck inside for over a year. Want to bang? <laughs> you know I do, King. Then hop on. Let's go for a real ride. Stop there. Thank you. The lesson should have been you need masks on planes. Not everybody horny now. <laughs> a lot of folks are also wondering about uh, larger groups or gatherings. So let's see an example of that. I'm concerned. This is a pretty large gathering. Should we be wearing masks? We don't have to because we're outside the Capitol building. Now, come on, let's get them. <laughs> right behind you. <laughs> okay, that was a very specific example, but accurate in terms of masks. Uh, now, what about retail businesses? How do you protect frontline workers who may or may not be vaccinated? Let's take a look. Hi there, can I come into your store? Yes, but I'm still asking customers to wear masks, respectfully. But I don't need a mask. 
I'm gay. And I'm an ally. Come on in. The first hot dog is on me. <laughs> no. No, that's not how that works. Being an ally is great, but it's got nothing to do with mask safety. Also, did she run a hot dog store? That left me with more questions than answers. Okay, next we have two young folks who started dating during the pandemic. This is exciting. We're dining outside, so we can definitely take our masks off. Oh no, I don't like the bottom of your face. <laughs> it looks like you grew mold under your mask. So, mask back on? No, it's too late, I already saw it. Now it's all I can think about. Then what if you put your mask over your eyes? Ah, oh, that's nice. You look like a blue man. And freeze. We cut to an actual blue man's apartment. His roommate's like, uh, can you stop it with the drumming? I'm trying to get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that takes improv classes, because that's what everyone wants a doctor to do, improvise. All right, uh, next we have a delicate situation, riding New York City transit. Wow, I'm so excited to be back on the subway. Me too, but you should know masks are still required on buses, ferries, and subways. Oh, cool, but my question is, where should I masturbate? Because buses, ferries, and subways all sound like great options. <laughs> you shouldn't do that anywhere, sir. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll put a mask on it first. He, he missed a golden opportunity to say thanks for the tip. <laughs> Another big question mark is schools. Maybe this will help. Hi, I'm here to pick up a student. Do I need to put on a mask? No, fully vaccinated parents do not need a mask. But do I need to be a parent? Nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you. And this next one, I'm told, is more of a riddle. Hi, we're four friends from three different households. We're all half-vaxxed and traveling by train from Florida to the UK. <laughs> one of us is old and severely at risk. And one of us is a baby. <laughs> so how many of us should wear masks and in which order? And go! idea what that's supposed to demonstrate. And now it's time for the big finale, entitled Society is Good Again, A Vision for the Future. Wow, everything is fine now. Everybody got the vaccine, so now we never need masks again. I'm using my old mask as a parachute for my hamster. I'm using two of mine as a bikini. I'm using one of mine as a bikini. Yes, when we come together as a society, we can solve anything. Woo! Now, let's talk about Israel. Okay, okay. That seems like a good place to end. Uh, so in summary, please everyone get the vaccine and enjoy life with no masks. Except this. So, yeah, that was Sorry. the cold open here. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, obviously not super informative, yeah. but it was, I mean, I mean you know, it, it, I, I had, I had, I had to. Uh, I was curious what they were going to say about Fauci or like what they were going to make him say or act like. But I mean, I, I, my, my take is, and I haven't heard what his actual statement about it, but I, I guess he's on board. Yeah. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. And uh, I don't know, something else I want to talk about speaking of pandemic shit is so Tennessee has opted out. Our governor has opted out of the federal unemployment mm -hmm. assistance as of July 
which I personally think is horse shit. I mean, it's not super relevant, but like, I don't know. I feel like it's, uh, it's like taking something away from people. I don't know. It's like the government, I feel like the government promised them something. It's like, regardless if they were on the unemployment or not, it was like, cause I think they did bring back the, you had to provide the work search requirement. So it's like, even if they, I don't, I don't know. It's like, I feel like they're taking something away from people like that safety net of people still able to find work. And then on top of that, I do think it's bullshit of like, it's not really addressing the core issue that we talked about on last week's episode of the problem isn't that people are lazy and not wanting to work. The problem is that they fucking have a livable wage or some, a smidge more than what they were getting at their shitty job working at Wendy's or wherever it was. They don't want to go back to Wendy's. Like nobody wants to go back to Wendy's. I don't want to go back to Wendy's just to eat there. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. It just, I feel like it's taking something away from people like a safety net people had. Yeah. To me, it's like, you know, any kind of relief that we're doing to try to rebuild needs to stretch out beyond the point where things get back to normal because, you know, when, just because society opens back up and there's less restrictions and there's now we can now kind of go back to doing things again, that doesn't mean that, hey, everybody's problems are solved. Um, but it's, it's you know, the sort of libertarian ideology that's taken over the Republican, Republican Party that basically is a very, hey, it's on you to make sure that yeah. you're taken care of. It's not on us to do that. And uh, so it's basically the attitude is like, well, now that we don't ha- now that there are means for you to do that, get out and do it like it's not that easy for some people, you know, yeah. like, so I don't know. I, I think that like, it's just a huge F you to um, basically lower income people. I think mm-hmm. it's, or people maybe who aren't, who aren't necessarily lower income, but like we're, you know, lost their job in the past year. And it's, it's just, it just seems to me like a real tacky move. Well, and this ties into kind of, I wanted to go over, it's like, this is a working theory. I've got this something I came up with like maybe two days ago. I've just sort of an epiphany I had and I'm working through it, but I want to put it out here, see what you think, see what people think. And, uh, it ties into that is that I started thinking that at some point, maybe after world war one is when the real corporatization, it may have even been before world war one, but the corporatization of America started there was only a few of them. We're talking like the Rockefellers, these sorts of folks. And largely when you break it down, this, this is a callback to our world war two episode where we talked about Coca-Cola, IBM, all of these. I think we named about seven different companies that were Nazi sympathizers, American companies that were Nazi sympathizers and, uh, or maybe not American, but at least allied companies. And I don't think, This theory I'm working on is that the corporatization of the world, uh, you know, for a while here, I've been thinking that corporatization was an American problem, but no, it's a world problem and it's fucking destroying the world. It's destroying our cultures. It's destroying our societies. And it started prior to World War II and it's what led us to World War II. And it's like it, 
it's literally fucked over everything. And it's the reason we've got this Palestinian Israeli thing going on, which we're going to talk about a little later. But this theory I've got is that, you know, we like to think that like, oh, World War Two, like, well, the Japanese were evil and they attacked Pearl Harbor and the Germans wanted a pure society. And it's like, but why did they want those things? They wanted to be industrial, like prosperous on an industrial level, right. which is corporatization. And all it seems to do, and it's calling back to Rona and the reason people like shitty places to work, can't find anybody to work, is that it's all about exploiting a lower class to work for shitty wages under shitty conditions. And sure, yeah, we've got it better than, I don't know, somebody working the equivalent job in the medieval ages. Sure, overall, it's gotten better, but that still doesn't mean it's good. And it doesn't mean we have equality or equity. And it just, I don't like, I don't know. It's just pitched up all this time that these are nations and governments. But as time's gone on right before world war two, governments and corporations started to merge. And now it's fucking like, what's the goddamn point? Uh, they're one and the same and it's not governments leading us into world conflicts anymore. It's fucking corporations, which is why, You've got the Tennessee governor and I think the Georgia governor and the Alabama governor, three states that rank pretty low on the education and economic list in the nation. And uh, yeah, it just ties back with that because their constituencies, corporations aren't making fucking money. So it's like, well, I guess we'll just pull the plug on the drain here for what's keeping them at home or what they perceive as keeping them at home. And I, I don't know. I just think we're at a point where corporations have been running the world for the past 90 years or whatever. And it's destroying the fucking world. And I'm, I've gotten real low on shit with that recently of like, I don't know if there's a way back from it. Yeah. It does seem like it's set up in such a way that like, I mean, it would have to be a, I mean, like, you know, I, I talk a lot about how, you know, ultimately peace is the way and working, you know, learning how to live with everyone and things like that. But like looking at that, if you talk, if you're talking about toppling a global power structure that is firmly entrenched, not only into American society, but human society at this point, I mean, you know, who do you think controls your cell phones? Mm -hmm. Who do you think can cut those off at any time? You know, mm -hmm. cut off your flow of information. Who do you think, uh, you know, it just, there, I mean, there's so many, so many things that makes me just think that like the only way to take it over is, is by force. You just got to take yeah. it. They're not going to give it back. No, it, and I was thinking the other day, it's like you hear like hard right conservatives talking about the globalists are taking over. It's like, I'll tell you, honey, the globalists are here. Yeah. Like the world society is here. You don't think it's here because you see the illusion of borders, but borders are insignificant when you have corporations. These corporations can reach across borders. They've got their own security details. They can do things government can't, and they don't have to adhere to Geneva conventions or the UN or anybody like that. And then they get tax breaks from governments so they can essentially do whatever the fuck they want. So it's like, if you're concerned about like, you know, if you're on the right, that's the party of corporations 
largely of the ones that like to give tax cuts to their corporate buddies. And if you're on the right and you're afraid of the fucking globalists, it's here, buddy, because that's what corporations are. Well, yeah. What do you think? Like, I mean, so like Jeff Bezos is obviously the figurehead of Amazon, but there's a whole board of people who run that company. Um, if you look at each of those individual people and you think that Amazon is the only place they work, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you think they maybe sit on boards of other big companies and then you wonder about, okay, now where are these products sold? You know, I mean, Amazon by itself is, is an international company, but then you think about like, okay, well, who, 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 who is this company daisy chained to by the people at the top and the other interests that they have? And then you start looking at the web that it expands. Uh, I'm sounding like a crazy person. But you start looking at the web that, uh, that grows out from that. And, um, it um you see it stretches all over the world you see that there's not really you know american companies i mean there are they're based mm-hmm. in america but th- you think they're making this america first business decisions no mm-hmm. i mean like that's you know there's there was a whole south park episode about how like you know disney caters to the chinese market and they make sure that their movies if if they can't adhere to chinese sensibilities they'll do another cut that does uh because they want um you know, they want them, them dollars. There's a lot of, a lot of people with a lot of dollars over there um, that they want to pull up. So they're going to, they're going to do that. And they're not going to make a movie for the American audience ever again. Mm-hmm. When there's a lot to say when in America, you cannot buy an American made phone. It doesn't exist. So at that point, um, and then you factor in the internet and, you know, if you're sa- computer savvy, you know how to use VPNs and proxies and shit to get around any sort of, if your government's got blocks on shit, you know how to get around that. So you've got no borders in cyberspace. You've got no borders financially because I can buy shit from a store in Japan and get it shipped here. So when you don't have virtual borders, you don't have financial borders, physical borders don't really matter to a certain degree these days. Like they're mattering less and less. And it's just corporations running the shit. And it's like, you know, and I don't know. It just seemed to me that it's like, no, we, we feel like world war two was like a battle between, you know, the Axis and allies and all this, but no, there was corporations behind that. So it's like, you know, not directly as in like corporations being like, no, we're going to conduct a war, but they had interests, you know, they, there was financial interests coming from a corporate level that incentivized certain choices that were made on various sides of world war two. Yeah. Uh, a question. So kind of on topic, you think Jeff Bezos has ever killed a person with like with his own hand? Oh, I don't think he has with his own hand. You think he's had, had people killed? I think he's probably had people killed and maybe he doesn't even know about it, but like the avenues that he's set up. Oh, I mean, I mean like I, when I, I mean a more direct way, like, Hey, that guy, Listen, I'm the richest guy on the planet. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I'm saying it's likely. And then it's even more likely that like he set up contingencies that probably had somebody killed. Well, wasn't it like someone wasn't it Elon uh, Musk passed him up recently as the richest man in the world? Yeah. But then he immediately dropped back down and, and um, Bezos passed him back up. So it makes me wonder. It's like, well, I can't take out Elon because that's mm-hmm. that's too high profile. But I could take out somebody that works for him. Mm-hmm. You know, make it look like an accident. Yeah. Drop his net worth down and get me back on One top. One of those Tesla batteries springs a leak and, you know. 
That's just that's just speculation. But I just it makes me wonder, like when you're that powerful, like who, who get you know, mm-hmm. you, it, it, you we we find out, you know, like I mean, like all the um, the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, which apparently Bill Gates is tied up in that. Yeah, now. no, dude. What's let me pull this story up because I've not followed this at all, and I didn't even put this on the docket talk about here. But this is super interesting to me. Yeah, it's 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 uh, I mean, it's not surprising, but that, but that's the thing. It's like it's you know, of course, he ran with all these powerful ass people and uh you know what what does power do it makes you long for the things you can't have and when you can have everything well then you go for the things that you're not supposed to have let's see what uh sager said on rising about this bill and melinda gates divorced in so let me back it up a smidge and Melinda Gates divorced. Didn't think I'd end up saying those words, but it turns out that Bill and Melinda Gates have been exploring a separation since 2019. Let's put that up there on the screen. Now, this is likely leaked from Melinda Gates' divorce team, so take it with a grain of salt. But according to the Wall Street Journal, quote, one source of concern for Miss Gates was her husband's dealings with convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Miss Gates' concerns about their relationship dated as far back as 2013. And Crystal, one of the things that's coming from this mm-hmm. is that Melinda Gates found out through open source reporting that Gates and her advisors were very concerned in October 2019 when the New York Times not only reported that Gates had met Epstein on a number of occasions, but quote, once stayed late into the night at Mr. Epstein's townhouse. So there's a lot going on. (laughs) That's all all I'm saying is he stayed there late. (laughs) But there's a lot of questions that arise from this This is what we said here at the time. Well, and and she's she's been an advocate, too, and involved with sex trafficking survivors. Exactly. So you can understand reportedly when she first met Epstein, she was like creeped out, creeped out, stay away from this guy. Build and listen. And so that's the reporting that's come out is that that was, you know, a major. No, he's a cool guy. <laughs> right. Well, and I think nice. he's got an island and a jet. Is that Bill Gates never gave a full articulation of why he was meeting with Epstein. Um, and if you look into it, what it says is that he says, quote, I wish I'd never met him. He's like, well, you did meet him not just once, several times. There's a photo that came out of those meetings. But if you're when you're reading it, it t- it seems to be some sort of complicated financial scheme involving funding the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and some research that Gates was really interested in. And here's the same question that arises whenever we talk about Leon Black. Leon Black was former head of Apollo, multi-billionaire, um, living in New York, king of private equity. He says, I paid Jeffrey Epstein $150 million because he gave me financial advice I can't get anywhere else. And uh, look, when you are the king of private equity, you can get financial advice from anyone. So what does this guy know that nobody else who's not a convicted sex trafficker does know? (laughs) And that only becomes tenfold whenever you're Bill Gates and you're the second richest man in the world. It's like, really, dude, you need Jeffrey Epstein to finance whatever. First of all, in terms of personal wealth, all the money in the world. Right. But you could call the head of J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs, the most legitimate bankers in the world to conduct your business. Yeah. Anybody will take your money. You don't need uh, Jeffrey Epstein to do it. And again, this all transpired after Epstein is a convicted sex offender. This is not the pre-2005 days or anything. So that is just what makes this 
extraordinarily fishy to me. And uh, yeah, if I was Melinda Gates, I'd probably be sketched out about it too. It's a good reason. I don't know. Bill Gates always looked like a fucking weirdo to me too. So I've, you know, it makes me makes, you know, and again, he's been, Bill Gates was the richest man on earth for years and years and years. So it's like, you know, like it, 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 it it makes you think like, okay, well I can have anything. Well, what can't I have? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, on this Island, I can have even more, you know? So, well, and on top of that, he's got, like there's fairly substantial evidence and like firsthand accounts and video accounts and all this. Like he was a ruthless businessman as far as running Microsoft. Like he gave off this like meek tender kind of nerd vibe to the public. But as far as professionally, like he was kind of a ruthless business guy. And like you said, once you climb the totem pole so high, you start looking for thrills elsewhere. Like, and then even on top of that, like any of these guys, at this level, they all, I can't think of a single one that just gives off a normal vibe. They all have eccentricities that are weird. Like Steve jobs. Apparently he was a huge fucking asshole. He had a daughter that he had trouble reconciling with. I can't remember if they ever did. Uh, he believed in holistic treatments. Evidently his pancreatic cancer could have been treated, but he was trying to treat it with crystals or some shit. And, uh, yeah, just different shit like that. Like they all seem fucking weird. Yeah. So some of them, it may be weird in a very private, non-harmful to other people way. Like I'm going to try to heal my pancreatic cancer with moonbeams and crystals. Others may be, hey, I got a buddy that can hook you up with a, a like a 13 year old. Yeah. And yeah, it just. uh And then as far as Epstein's concerned, has it really come out of like where this dude made money? Because the way. I figure it is this dude trafficked in the uh, worked in the fucking blackmail business would basically have people out to party on his island, maybe knowingly or unknowingly film them with like underage prostitutes or well, which that's not even a real thing, but you know, underage kids, male or female, and then use that as blackmail. So it would make sense if this dude say he had the head of, well, I don't want to say a company to like implicate them in something, but like, I don't know, whatever company out there. And then of course it would make sense that he might have some insider secrets to the company from that. So of course he would have fucking good stock advice. Right. Well that, and then also the fact that like, you know, when you say like, well, I had to get my financial advice from him, maybe they're not like, maybe they mean, they mean that literally like, He's got tapes of me doing bad stuff. Says if I don't open an account with his firm, you know, like I can do, like he said, I I could do my financial stuff anywhere. So might as might as well be here yeah. and not have my this horrible shit leaked out. So you know, it it does it like that. Make that's what makes me think like probably the you know the, this was after he was a convicted sex offender. It's probably why like especially he was like. Yo, man, we got to clean this shit up. You're getting watched. You know, maybe that wasn't a, a, an alluring meat, but I bet those meetups had happened in the past. Like, yeah. And it's, it's all speculation. I don't know. I've never met Bill Gates yeah. or Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, they, they don't invite me to their parties, but you know, <laughs> don't know that I would want to go at this point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's move on and talk about, uh, I guess kind of the main thing I wanted to talk about here was, uh, this, uh, it ties in earlier with what I was talking about the corporate world, because I don't know, to me, it's, 
it's like the entire world is Gotham at this point. Like it's just so corrupt and beyond repair. That's like, we all thought things were on a pretty good baseline for a while. And it come to find out we started kicking over rocks and it's just a fucking mess and everything's corrupt on every level is, I don't know. It seems like that to me. Maybe I'm just jaded on it, but it seems like fucking Gotham. Yeah. It's been that way for a while. Um, It's just the internet makes it so that we can now notice it and like be like, Hey, look, look at this thing going on. Yeah. And it's like this weird uh, combination of Gotham and like we're living in the Hunger Games territory, but it's global. Like every territory's got their export and like we all just live in our little territories and there's not much travel between them, especially these days. Uh, but yeah, with that in mind, with the corporate world is it led to this directly with World War II, but this shit that's going on in uh, Israel with Palestine. And it's like I, I was ranting and raving this about a couple year or about a couple years ago. I started talking about this. And nobody was like, what are you talking about? They're terrorists. And it's like, that's what we've been fed. I remember hearing that as a kid in like third or fourth grade of like, well, it's complicated. And the Bible says that, you know, they're going to be at war at all times. It's like, no, this is fucking Israel propaganda and fucking U.S. backs Israel. We just gave them a fuck ton of money back with that stimulus check at the start of the year. Yeah, we have this weird um, marriage it's the only way to, way I know to describe it with Israel, and it it seems to be mostly based in uh, well, they say it's based in religious ideology. They say it's I think that's just the excuse. I think it goes back to like what you said. There's like corporate business stuff going on where like we're so entrenched with them as a business partner yeah. at this point that like we can't just sever those ties. Yeah. So that means that like hey, if you go down, we go down. So we're yep. gonna make sure that you you come up on top. And they're like hey, we've got the fucking bulldog that is the United States of America mm-hmm. in our front yard. So we're, we guess what? We get to do whatever the fuck we want now. And it pissed off everybody in that whole region, you know, specifically the Palestinians who mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not, I, I was going to do a lot more research about this and I didn't. So I'm not a hundred percent up on things, but my understanding is that, you know, that land has been disputed over for quite some time. Mm. And at different points, it's been Israel and at different points, it's been Palestine. I know in the last time it transferred from Palestine back to Israel was government forced with the U S leading that charge saying, sorry, Palestinians, you got to go. This is Israel. And um, that seems to be the latest thing, you know, thing. That's also why, like, I mean, that's why, you know, the, We've we've been the target of you know that's what nine eleven is ultimately about you mm-hmm. know like I mean it, more than that but it's it's ultimately what it comes down to it's why we've been you know I, I that, that when you start getting into this stuff it really starts a lot of my old like conspiracy theory stuff starts coming up again uh, but it all kind of hinges on and and this is the stuff I do still believe which is that you know the fact that we've been meddling in the politics over there for you know almost a century now yeah. Um, that's what they don't like. It has nothing to do with our freedom. It has nothing to do with our, oh, they hate us because, uh, you know, we're mm-hmm. so free and we love Jesus. It's like, no, they, they, they don't care about that. They care about the fact that we're over there saying like, we don't like this guy ruling, even mm-hmm. though the people picked him. So we're going to cap him and put some, mm-hmm. someone we like in instead, you know? <laughs> and so it's, <sighs> the whole thing is a big mess. And it's like, I don't know. I don't. There's the, 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 I, this is the kind of thing that I want to be super careful <laughs> before I say anything. Yeah. Because, and I've got a great video from Abby Martin. I was going to play. Yeah. Let's go um, ahead and do that. Cause I, that way I, I don't talk myself. And, into uh, 
Yeah, but just to before I play it, I'll say, uh, hang on, I want to look up a statistic just to make sure I get it right. Yeah, the big thing is like in Israeli and American culture, it's been fed to us that this is a religious war. Israel has the right to the land. The Palestines are these barbaric terrorists, blah, blah, blah. But as I've gotten older and actually done my own research into it, no, it's apartheid situation. It's no different than uh, what uh, Iraq and Saddam Hussein did to the Kurds back in the day. It's no different than that. And the Palestinians have nowhere to go and they're in an open air prison. And so, you know, and then you also have a group of aggressors on the Palestinian side that don't speak, you know, in the same way that you conservatives like to say like, well, those people at the Capitol, we're not like that. You know, I like Trump, but I don't support what they did at the Capitol on January 6th. They don't speak for everybody in the same way. Hamas and all these sorts of folks, they don't speak for all of Palestinians. And you've got a bunch of kids in there. You've got a bunch of innocent families and things like that. And you've got Israel who's been taught from very young that these are just savages that need to be wiped out. And so I've got a video from Abby Martin here who has gone over there repeatedly uh, investigating this. And in their most recent bombardments, they destroyed Al Jazeera's headquarters. And then there was another... uh, uh, like journalism outfit that got destroyed. Yeah. That was purposeful. That yeah. wasn't an accident. That, that There's no way that's an accident. Um, what I want to, before you play this, I, this, you said this was from a couple of years ago, right? Just to give everybody Yeah, I think context. this is from 2017, actually. Yeah, so just to give everybody context. So this is like, I mean, obviously. Yeah, 2017, you know, April 2017. This conflict has been raging for thousands of years. Yeah. But, but you know, this is. Uh, but the U.S. didn't help it. Right. And then I'll also add is like basing the fact, like the excuse of, well, the Bible says that there will be war over there for centuries. Yeah. The Bible is a book. If you believe it, that's great. It's got a great set of morals that can be taken from it that teach you to not be an asshole. So learn something from your boy, Jesus. Don't be a fucking asshole. And uh, yeah, we've got separation of church and state here. So just Throw that fucking argument out the window. So here I am going to play this video from Abby Martin. She's on the Joe Rogan podcast, kind of explaining some of this shit. And she's been on the ground there multiple times reporting just, and she's got a documentary that's come out since, but yeah, this is from 2017 and she hits the nail on the fucking head. You showed me that Dennis Prager video. Which one was that? It was an argument about Israel where he was talking about why Israel deserves to exist and stuff after being there, man, holy shit. I feel like people have no idea. What the, I didn't even know what the hell was going on until I went to Palestine and saw how crazy it was. But what man. is it like? Tell me, give me your thoughts and your So experience. everyone mistakenly thinks that Hamas like controls Palestine. That's not true at all. There's, there's three different areas that were drawn up with the original partition. It's the West Bank, which is totally under military rule by Israel. And then there's the Gaza Strip, which is like the open air prison, which they bomb the shit out of like every couple of years and Hamas controls that area. And then there's Jerusalem, which is an international city center um, that both Arabs and Jews live in. But the West Bank has been occupied militarily since 1967 and it's complete martial law. There's checkpoints. All political parties are illegal. You can't having a gun is like the least of it. You can't hold a flag. You can't belong to a political party. You literally can't do shit. If you're a Palestinian, you just have to sit there and submit 
Um, and if even if you share a photo of someone who was like killed by an Israeli soldier, you go to jail and you go to jail for the amount of like months that. What? Yeah. Based on the shares and likes of the photo, they'll they'll penalize you more and put you in prison for longer and longer. I mean, I'll, I'll just Wait, tell you, you one so story. If you put a photo on social media, like you of put someone on who Facebook. died, and they'll be like, "You're sharing a martyr and inciting people to like commit suicide, like on behalf of Palestinians." You go to jail, and and they put them in jail. There's ninety nine point seven percent conviction rate. Kids are tortured. Kids are in prison. It is absolutely insane. We went to the first day that we were there. We went to a funeral of some guy, some farmer who was shot by Israeli forces, and we went to the funeral. It was horrible. You know, all the women are wailing and crying. And as we're leaving, the Israeli forces had set up a checkpoint right outside of this dude's house and started tear gassing and shooting rubber bullets like at people who were simply attending the funeral just to punish people for attending the funeral. Um, we went to another girl's house named Aya, who's uh, who got shot in the vagina for peacefully protesting at some protest and they shot two they should they shot 200 people that day one guy next to her died another guy was paralyzed they have a policy called shoot to cripple where they shoot guys in the dicks yeah it is fucking nuts man the west bank is no joke i thought that i was going to die several times we were at this checkpoint going through calandia and there was this old man walking like clearly drunk or something and kind of like walking a little bit toward the checkpoint they started shooting at him bullets are ricocheting off the thing and I, you know, my partner, Mike, who was an invading soldier of Iraq, was just like, we're going to die. Like, they're shooting this guy. There's bullets ricocheting. I, it was absolutely insane. And as we go through the checkpoint, the soldier's like, hey, stay safe out there. And I was like, yeah, when you guys are arbitrarily shooting people. And, and the person who was driving us had just told us that a couple months prior to that, some woman, Palestinian woman, because you can't go to Jerusalem, like if you're Palestinian, there's like barely any Palestinians who are even allowed to go pray at the most holy site, the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem. You can't go to the beach. You're just completely constricted in a prison and you can't travel. And and he was just telling us that months before we went through this checkpoint, someone was going through the checkpoint because they got a permit to go into Jerusalem, which is like a lifetime golden ticket, like Willy Wonka. And they're walking and they get and she just got executed. And then what? Yeah, she just got executed and she was bleeding out at this checkpoint and her little brother tried to help her and they shot him too. And they're like hiding the video of this. And this is just a day because they fucking hate Palestinians and Palestinians are, are animals to these people. It's sick, man. It's sick. It's really, really sick, Joe. And I, I couldn't even get into Gaza. We were banned from going into this territory because I was told by the Israeli government that I was a propagandist and that I was like an enemy agent. And so I wasn't allowed to go into Gaza. So... Gaza's hell, but the West Bank is a, in, under martial law and everything's illegal and you can't do a goddamn thing. And and it's super cool. Like we went to this place called Ramallah that was just like um, Oakland where they're smoking weed. There's like openly gay people there. Like it's just completely different than what people think of Palestine, you know? People think of it as just a bunch of people with turbans on blowing themselves And up. Hamas is like, you yeah. know, you elected Hamas. And like, well, Hamas doesn't want Israel to exist. It's like, well, actually Hamas is controlling this one area for a reason because it was built as this surplus when Israel was created. Millions of refugees were put miles away from the homes that they were ethnically cleansed from and put into refugee camps in Gaza. And when the Israeli military wanted more and more land, by the way, all settlements in Israel are illegal. All of them are illegal in the West Bank, but they just keep creating more and more and more. And we would go to these villages of just Arab people living in these villages and the settlers will come. You have to be a fanatical fucking asshole to move from California to 
an Arab village in Palestine and set up a goddamn tractor trailer and just live on top of their home. And they can have, you know, giant machine guns. They can firebomb you. They can shoot you. They can beat you up. They're protected by the state. You can go with a tractor trailer, set up a home. The state immediately runs a water line, a power line, and, and a military outpost to protect you. And the Arabs are just sitting there waiting to get killed or attacked. It's absolutely insane. And the, the way home demolitions work are insane, too, because, like, they either deliver a piece of paper with a rock over it, and they're like, here, if you find it, good for you. And if you don't, then you're screwed. And that's if you're lucky. If you're not lucky, you'll just your home will be invaded by settlers, and you'll be forced out of your home. There's videos of this all over the Internet of, like, groups of settlers going and literally taking over Arabs' homes, and then they just are forced out. It's cr- so, and then I wanted to play a couple clips of uh, her on YouTube interviewing Israelis and it's young people. And I think it's, it's very important for people to hear this of these are Israelis, uh, just regular people, like not people in the military. They uh, are out at bars, hanging out, whatever. And again, this is stuff from, you know, pre pandemic, but she's been doing this research for years and doing good work. Um we won't watch the whole thing, but I think it's just important for people to hear like how people- Intolerant square. And we're just gonna ask everyday Israelis what they think about the situation. Uh, you're American, where are you from and why did you come here? Uh, I'm from New York um, and I came here with my family when I was younger to make Aliyah um, because it was always my parents' dream to come to Israel because we're religious. So are you American? Yes. Oh, cool. Why? Are you, uh, when did you move here and why? I moved here 11 years ago. Uh, my family moved here because um, this is the country of the Jewish people and the future of the Jewish people, and uh, we want to be here. How old are you guys? 18. We're 18 years old. Now we're here in Israel taking a leadership course, and we're going to the army for a few months to see how life's here. And then we hope to bring back some of this knowledge to our youth movements. So you're like an internship with the army? It's about two months and they show you everything about the army. Israel is a great place. It's a nice place. You should come and visit. like, I love Israel and I feel safe here. All that misconceptions are not, not true. Like, is, is, there's not people uh, with knives every day and there's not, uh, I don't know, people exploding. Palestinians? Yeah. yeah. No, but pretty much the life here is really good. For people living here, it's just normal to see people in the army walking around with guns and you feel completely safe and protected. I feel like we know who the threat is and it's not coming from anyone random as opposed to in the rest of the world that could be anyone um here we know we know who our enemy is and we know that they are out to get us who is the enemy who's the enemy that's uh, that's a very good question i don't think it's specifically any nation i think it's the people that um are so interested in being politically correct that they won't actually go after the, the people that are trying to cover things up. I think that, that, that the Islam is a, it's a very bad disease, not, uh, not just for Israel, for uh, all around the world, we, we can see it. They think they, they all have to be Islam. If you're not Islam, they will kill you. A lot of Americans don't really understand what Israel's like. We hear a lot of things in the news. A lot of people are sympathizing with the Palestinian plight. Um, can you talk about what it's like to kind of live in this situation? Uh, first of all, it's very hard. 
I also am an organization. It's called Lahava. It's against the Jews who marry Arabs. Did you say the organization was did what again? We the organization is the the thing of it is to that Jews shouldn't marry Arabs. Shouldn't marry Arabs. Why do you feel strongly about that? Because Jews is a special nation that God gave it to the Jews, and we don't want Jews to get mixed up with, together with a different nation. I think Israelis have to take over, and uh, they have to kick them. Uh, kick them away it will be much better not to, not to kill them just to to go back to to Arab countries you can't deal with these people there's no need to try there's no need to talk to them what we can do is when that they, they do enough harm we retaliate that's war and that's the situation that any Jew lives in Israel has to deal with <laughs> okay. בסדר בעברית? פשוט מאוד, צריך להיכנס לשטחים, וכל מחבל שעושה פיגוע צריך להרוג אותו, צריך להרוג את המחבלים, ואז הם יפחדו ולא יעשו לנו בעיות, והכל יהיה בסדר. הם יהיו בכפרים שלהם, אנחנו נחיה פה, לא צריך להיות ביחד, והכל בסדר. because he's a terrorist. I think he should uh, also kick out the family because it all begins with the uh, chinuch. How are you saying that? Um, education. Whatever they teach the kids, the kids uh, does. You know, it's families. I think that we need to... Uh, need to uh, kick out the Arabs. How do you say kick out the Arabs? No, tell me what to say. I think we should give them a country. If you're doing any problem, you just go in there to give them a country and then it's going to be a war between countries, you know? If they're going to throw rockets, we're going to throw one big one and done. I don't think there's any answer to it. Really? There's only one way, like, I would carpet bomb them. You would that, it's the only it's the only way you could deal with it like or, or try to stop them a different way it, it never worked you mean all Arabs are Gaza or I I believe that they like I hope to believe they're they're not but I do think they are because I never I don't I don't trust them you can't trust them and that but yeah, I think you get the fucking idea. These people are fucking uh, brainwashed. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of wish, and I'm sure maybe she has other videos where she was talking about more of the, the other side of it that she was mm-hmm. seeing. Because, you know, just talking to people on the street, I mean, like, you know, the way they're talking is is pretty disgusting. Like the whole, like, we got to kick these people out. But like the 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 thing that I the, that my issue is that I'm just not super educated on this, and so it's not something that that you know my 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 understanding has been the one that the mainstream media has mm-hmm. fed me my whole life. So I you know like because because you know the I, we talked about this a little bit before. It's it's questioning the jewish narrative which this it's not fair to say really we should like in this situation it's the israeli government's narrative yeah it's not the jewish narrative but they're so intrinsically tied but there is a history of 
questioning the Jewish narrative seen as um, anti-Semitism because, you know, that's where like Holocaust deniers come in. They, you know, the, the argument is um, from that side. Now, I'm not a Holocaust denier. I don't I'm not I don't subscribe to the any of that, that stuff. But uh, the, the argument that you will hear is that the. Um, um, the numbers are inflated um, mm-hmm. and it's done so that the Jews can gain sympathy, extra sympathy that they maybe, you know, you always use that. It's like, oh, you can't stop me here because you're just like the Nazis. You hate us, too. And, um, you know, that's that's the narrative. And it's 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 not a it's not a good one. It's just one that's out there. Mm-hmm. And um, in this case it lends credence to that narrative. I'm not saying it, it, it backs it up. I'm just saying it like, mm. if you were going to make that argument, you could look at, at what you're seeing now and say like, so it's, it's important. The reason why I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully because I don't want to act like I'm endorsing any sort of school of thought. I'm only explaining things that I've well, heard. Like just to be clear, neither of us are anti-Semitic. I've dated several yeah, Jewish no, ladies. I, I love Jewish. Well, like, you know, like, here's the thing. And I've so so another distinction I want to make is that, you know, I've been pretty openly anti-religious on this show. And so, like, when the guy was talking about Islam is a bad thing, I don't disagree. I think Islam, I think Judaism is a bad thing. I I think Christianity is a bad thing. I think all of them are bad things. Does that mean I think that Arabs are bad people? No, not necessarily. I mean, I'm sure everybody's got their thing going on. I'm sure there's bad Arab people, just like there's bad anybody. But like, I don't think anyone's bad by virtue of being Arab, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 such a delicate fucking thing because it's it's on the one hand, it's like you know everything that that we've heard her saying and, and the people she's talked to is that hey, this the the Palestinians have it real rough and, and mm. Israel is the aggressor. Um, but what I don't know enough about is uh, really Hamas and who Hamas is and what they do. I, kn- I know that does not represent all of the Palestinian population. I know that that is probably just their extreme. But like I've, I've seen justification. I've seen defense of Hamas on, on Twitter recently. So I don't and I'm not I'm just not educated enough to really, really like make a statement on mm-hmm. what they are, or what they aren't. But I I think that's an important part of it, too, because I've heard a lot of bad things. And, and again, I don't know if that's part of the propaganda. I mean, you're seeing yeah. people talk about how they hate them and basically, you know, talking about we got to, you know, there's no. There's no cure for it. We just have to kill them all. Like mm-hmm. I said, like I'll carpet bomb them. You know, like it just it, it makes me wonder like how much of it is propaganda and how much of it is legit. Well, I think the fact that I mean, I don't claim to be an expert on it either. This is just stuff I got from a quick readout over and I've been listening to Abby Martin for a couple of years. And I think the fact that us as Americans not knowing too much about it lends credence to the fact that the narrative we've been given is that no Israel's our buddy. And we've been largely a Christian nation up until Mm -hmm. now. So it's like, no, this is where Jesus was born. So yay, you know, they're friends with us. We want that. And now, you know, church numbers in the year of 2020 was the first year that church attendance numbers were down in the history of America. And that combined with the internet. Yeah. It's uh, the cracks are starting to show. And it's starting to show that it's like this corporate situation, whatever we've got with Israel going on. It's like being a buddies with a guy that, you know, beats the shit out of his wife and you don't do anything about it. Yeah. That's the same sort of situation. And I've got no problem with Jewish folk at all. I've got a problem with authoritative 
fucking fascist style governments, which is clearly what's going on over there. Right. Like my, again, my, my, my issues with organized religion aside, I have no beef with the Jewish people, like the populace of, of, of Jewish people, but the Israeli government seems a bit sketchy and, and, you know, makes sense because they're bedfellows with the U S government who we, you know, bitch about being sketchy all the time. So it just, it, you know, it's, if it, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you want to know uh two fun facts is that, uh, it's not just um, Arabs in Palestine. There's a there's a good number, a good small percentage of Christians as well as Jews also living in Palestine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're, you know, for these people, even if you are going to believe the narrative that, oh, they're just a bunch of barbaric terrorists that need to be destroyed because they're Arabs. Well, there's Christians and there's Jews in there as well. And they have children. They've got families. They're trying to live. And uh, they have nothing to do with Hamas or this terrorist group. So there's that. And then a, uh, another fun fact is that Israeli defense forces train American police. So, you know, if you're one of these folks that maybe marched with Black Lives Matter last summer and all of a sudden you find yourself standing with Israel, uh, maybe look in the mirror and check yourself, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... You know, I, I it, this this might be a hot take. I think it's a mess over there. <laughs> I think that they got to get that shit sorted yeah. out. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to be the one to solve it. Um, I you know, it's, it just seems like be kind to each other should be the answer. I don't know that that's gonna that they're just mm-hmm. gonna gonna take that. I mean, like that's the thing is it's hard to be kind to someone who you assume is the worst and you assume is is an inhuman monster who's just gonna try to kill you at any mm-hmm. cost and like. Sure, there's some of those people that probably exist, but like, is that every person who's of a mm-hmm. certain, you know, descent or ethnicity? No, no, it's never the case. Everybody's different. There's people who are very genetically close to me who I think can go suck shit, you know? And so it's like, I don't, it, you know, it, to me, it's it's just, it seems like it's such a fucking old, stupid argument that needs to die. Mm-hmm. When I remember when I, like, I guess this was the moment that I learned not to judge people by the color of their skin. But like I was in ninth grade when 9-11 happened. And that's probably the most, at least in our lifetimes for us, that's one of the more defining as far as like racially defining sort of moments of where all of a sudden. I'm trying to be careful here and not sound racist because I'm not raced about it, but I'm just saying in society, that was a situation. 9-11 was a situation that happened where all of a sudden everybody was a little bit sketchy of brown people. Yeah. No, I mean, especially living in the South. Like, yeah. I think that's- and uh, that was the situation where I remember in ninth grade, like I was fucking terrified to go to school the next day. I thought they were going to bomb Oak Ridge and it was going to be the scene from fucking Terminator two when all the nukes go off. And I was legitimately terrified. And I remember thinking like being kind of afraid to go in, you know, my mom would stop at a gas station over there in Sugar Mountain Road going to school and just like being kind of scared of the Indian guy in there. And it took me a couple months, but that's like when I learned of like, no, just because someone's skin color doesn't mean they're like this group. Uh, You know, there may be this group of like really shitty people that happens to look like or be kind of like this one group, but that doesn't mean that this person's in that group. 
And it was a good lesson to learn and fair number of people still need to learn that lesson. But that sort of seems like the status that era, like the couple months after 9-11 here in America seems to be where Israel has been running on Palestine for the past 60 years. That sort of like boiling point. Right. Well, I mean, like, again, it's hard for me to make a really like definitive statement without knowing what is actually happening. Like, I know what I'm being told is happening and it's it's not, you know, I know what Twitter's saying is happening. Um, I've heard a lot of bad shit about Hamas. That's really what I'm what I'm getting at. And maybe maybe that is all propaganda. Maybe it's it's not true. I don't know. I don't, I think that's that's my point. I'm not I'm not I need to I need to learn on this more. <laughs> and I'm going to play this. This is her interviewing somebody I think living in Palestine. And uh, I'm also going to pee while I'm Recently, the struggle for Palestinian human rights gained international attention surrounding a new icon of resistance, 16-year-old Ahed Tamimi. On December 15, a video of Tamimi slapping an Israeli soldier outside of her home went viral. But what isn't seen on the video is that just moments before Israeli forces shot her 15-year-old cousin Mohammed point-blank in the face with a rubber bullet, causing severe internal bleeding. A few days later, Ahed was violently arrested in the middle of the night in a raid by dozens of soldiers. Ahed's 20-year-old cousin Noor, her aunt Manal, and Ahed's mother Nariman have since been arrested. Her mother, Nariman, has been charged with aggravated assault and incitement for uploading the video of her daughter on social media. And just days into 2018, the first Palestinian teen killed by Israeli forces in the West Bank was Ahed's other cousin, Musa'ab Tamimi. He was shot at close range by soldiers raiding their village. Ahed's arrest and imprisonment by the Israeli army has drawn ire from the international community and attention to the brutal military occupation. In particular, its treatment of children, up to 700 of which are processed through Israeli military courts every year, some as young as 12. Today, Ahed is in jail awaiting trial. Israel has slapped her with 12 different charges, including assaulting a soldier. Some of the charges are for incidents years ago, including stone throwing, a crime for which Israel recently increased the maximum penalty for to a 20-year prison sentence. While on the West Bank in late 2016, I visited the small village where the Tamimi family has lived for generations. We're here in Nabe Saleh, a village under occupation by Israeli forces. At the entrance to the village is a military outpost, and on their land is a large illegal settlement. Their main water source is a spring that's been appropriated for the settlers. This is one of four villages that have been holding protests every Friday for several years. But just this month, they've decided to stop in order to re-strategize. You can still see the remnants of that struggle. Everywhere, you'll find used munitions, just like this one. Images of unarmed protesters being horribly abused, especially children, have made this place known as an epicenter of Israeli brutality and Palestinian resistance. I visited the Tamimi family at their home. As many children in Palestine, Ahed's wisdom shined clear beyond her years and showed why her voice is such a threat. 
Many children don't worry about much. They spend their time playing with their friends, but your childhood has been uh, littered with Israeli soldiers uh, harassing, brutalizing your friends, your family, your village. Can you talk about what that's been like? Yeah, I'll just pause it there, but I don't know if that gave you any, a little bit more insight there, but yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I, you know, it's, it does, it does seem like, I mean, the thing is, is, is like, it seems like everything I'm gathering is that you are seeing atrocities mm-hmm. from both sides. Um, but it does seem like Israel is taking it out. Mm. You know, there, you know, where it's like the, the atrocities that are probably happening on that, the Palestinian mm. side of that conflict, not even saying it was Palestinians who do it. Cause again, I don't know, it may, it may be other people involved too, but those things that you hear about, if they are happening, uh, are happening by a very small group mm-hmm. of this bit larger population and it seems like israel is just taking it out on all of them yeah which is not good and like so that's that that's that's the thing that like i don't know you know i don't know enough about but like i don't want to make any defense i don't want to take a side until i know more mm-hmm. um i know that this is bad i know that everything i've seen today is bad and it shouldn't be happening and i know that like you know there may be more things that are bad that shouldn't be happening um i don't know uh you know i don't i don't like the idea of uh the fact that white people you know it's, it's weird to me, even coming from the South here in America, we just suck it up and live next to our neighbors, even if they're different than us. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they can't just do that there. But then again, you got the whole. Yeah, I, I 100% don't understand the, um, yeah, what you just said, like, just suck it up and let them into town. Like, who cares? Yeah, I let run them- into people at Walmart all the time that I fucking don't even like the way they look. They hate, it's like, like you know, the, that, argu- the argument, the right to look that way. <laughs> yeah. The argument is that, well, because they hate us and want us to die. Well, maybe because yeah, <laughs> you won't let them into the fucking holy side. Yeah. Like, if they could go there and live, you know, I don't know. It just seems to me like it's such a fucking, no, it's, it's a fucking mess. Yeah. It's a no win situation. And, and I think part of the issue too, what scares me is like, without a doubt, Netanyahu it's, they've been having crazy elections, crazy, like, just over and over. I think they've had like five elections in four months or something like that or four years. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. It has to be four years. Um, but yeah, he's trying to constantly stay in power and we've got a situation like that's a situation where I don't know the way I look at it. That may be a situation where you've got a competent Trump running the show and he knows exactly what he's doing and he's got a little fascist situation going and America's all buddy buddy to him for whatever reason because we need our little stake in the Middle East for whatever reason i it's not over oil at this point so i don't know why we feel like we need to have a stake in the middle east again it's it's a lack of i, I know this yeah. is compelling radio for me to talk about i don't know enough to comment but it's it's really yeah. it's really the that. nuances of geopolitics i can tell you what makes the most sense to me as a regular ass person it just seems to me like you know everybody should drop this whole stupid uh you know um bronze age death cult mysticism yeah. bullshit and just get on with like hey 
you know, and, and look, even if you want to go pray at a certain altar, go do that. No, you know, don't stop anyone else. If, you know, if we build a building and we say, this is the building where you people can go do your thing. And as long as they go do that and don't hurt anybody, I, you know, I don't really care. I do think that it's ultimately a bad thing, but I think that, you know, whatever we're, we're looking for a quick fix, not a, not a, you know, over time, the idea is to say like, look, there's no reason for you people to hate each other. Cause the whole motivation is all fake. <laughs> you know, like, sorry, I know that's going to offend people, but it is like both, both, both of your religions are wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the third one is too. most of the, the smaller ones have a lot of wrong stuff too. Probably all of them, probably all of them are wrong. Uh, they just are, they just are, they're just wrong. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And that's great if you want to believe it, but, uh, shouldn't be making policy that affects other people based on that shit. Keep that wackadoo shit to yourself. If it doesn't hurt anybody, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to take it away from you, but it it shouldn't have to be a part of my life. You know, you wouldn't like us making policy on the premise that God doesn't exist, which is what I think Ian and I both kind of follow here. So, uh, yeah, keep that shit out of it. Maybe a God does exist. Maybe he does. I don't think we have the right book that tells us about him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. It's fucked up to me. What scares me is I think one of the reasons America is so buddy, buddy with Israel. And I've said this before about China is that I think under certain circumstances, America looks at Israel and it's like, Hey, you got a martial law at all time. Okay. How do you, uh, how'd you guys accomplish this? We kind of like it. And it, it wouldn't take much to push America into that because we're already so buddy, buddy there. And it's, you saw in the video, like the one where she was interviewing people in Israel, they were American. Oh yeah. And so, and I know just from, you know, having dated a couple Jewish ladies in my past that around a certain age, when you're a teenager, um, I don't remember what it's called, but you go to Israel. Right. And you've got like a free trip, basically. Like a pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah. And so you've got a good portion. And again, I'm not trying to be anti-Semitic here at all, but you've got a good portion of people here in the United States that go to Israel is this is like a vacation spot. You know? So and then like kind of what she was talking about, it seems there's also a problem of 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 American people moving there, meaning hey, more people in this very small area that which means we have to expand Mm -hmm. and make more room. Well, when we push outward, we're pushing into this other area that the Palestinians control. So hey, it doesn't matter, they're less than human anyway. Let's just go drive them out and then tear down their house and rebuild a nicer one with a wall on the other side of it. So yeah, yeah, it seems that's what it seems like. And uh, you know, it's, it's hard not to be sympathetic with the Palestinians knowing all this stuff. So it's like, you know, I, it's, it's, it's one of those things um, I, you know, I, and I'll bring it up that part of the reason why I was going to do a lot of research into this is my initial plan was to kind of do a defense of Andrew Yang. Mm -hmm. And like, I look, I I could go on a long tirade defending him. I do still think he's a a decent guy. Uh, I I can sum up my defenses. Like, I think he spoke poorly. I think he, um, has stakes that he doesn't want to, um, it was a, it was a calculated political move from a guy who we all kind of hoped wouldn't go that way. Um, so it is disappointing. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and be like, he's a perfect guy. He's awesome. I do think a lot of his direction and his thinking isn't going in the right way. I think giving him some degree of power and like letting that grow is generally a good thing right now that could change. But I think that, uh, you know, I think he spoke poorly, 
But I think like people that want to take it to the extreme are also being a little bit unfair. Like I, I don't think Andrew Yang supports all that shit we just saw. Like I don't yeah. think I don't think he's probably aware of it. And yeah, he probably is now. Like his his staff is like. Well, it's Ooh. hard for Americans to be aware of it, right? It's yeah. not. Well, it's not the common narrative. It's not what we. It's not what's been fed to me. That's a lot of that was. Per, I mean, like I've I've known about that a lot. Again, I used to like run in some dicey conspiracy cults, mm-hmm. and they, they'll they'll talk about like the the way Israel. You're like, look, you know, the, America paints this picture, but they they frame it as the Jews and not just mm-hmm. Israel. Kind of kind of like what I was talking about earlier. But I think, um, yeah, they just they, it's 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 this sort of disconnect that I, I think it's just cause we're, we're, you know, if, 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 if your main source of information is the mainstream, you're not going to get that left or right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, it's like, I, I, I see how Andrew Yang could have misspoke. I don't think that's where his heart is. I don't think he thinks that that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on over there. Um, I do, you know, I'm sure, like I said, he probably has been shown a lot of things that he wasn't aware of before when he made those comments. Uh, but that was, you know, that was the popular narrative mm. is that, hey, Israel, good, Hamas, bad. So I'm not going to fault him for trying to make a, a, a statement that like also everyone, all of his other competitors also made no one, no, no one running for mayor of New York had an opposing stance. So mm-hmm. it's or at least no one who stands a chance. So it's like. You know, I know there's people who really just don't want to like Andrew Yang for for whatever reason, but I tend to find it's because they haven't really looked into him. Yeah. Um, but that's that's my only defense of Andrew Yang and all that. I mean, I think I'm kind of with you on that is like just because it's so easy as an American to be uninformed on this. Right. Right. Is this the first time people are hearing of this? Like I had to search to find the shit Abby Martin was putting out there. I didn't just come across it. You know, well, uh, so in this, she was talking a lot, too, about how, like, uh, you know, Palestinians get punished for for, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sharing stuff. And Mm -hmm. like like uh, the the girl she's interviewing, you know, slapped a a Palestinian or not. She slapped an Israeli uh, military person and uh, her house got raided and her whole family Mm -hmm. was arrested because her mom uploaded the video. Yeah. That's considered dissent and and creating propaganda and stuff like sounds a little bit like the. uh ghettos that the Nazis forced the Jews into. Yeah. It sounds a little bit like apartheid in Africa. Sounds a little bit like the Iraqis and the Kurds. We've been down this route before. Yeah. And what worries me about it is, especially after watching these videos, interviewing Americans in Israel and their views on it, is it, and this just scares me in general after experiencing the past four years of life, but does everyone have like, does everyone oppose fascism or at least a large portion of people oppose fascism, except their breed of fascism. Right. You know, and that really worries me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I don't want fascism because I don't want ideas. I disagree with to be forced on me, but if ideas I agree with are being forced onto everyone else, yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Like, well, I fucking love hamburgers and they force us to eat a hamburger every day. I'm fucking in I'm on that team. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 uh, again, I wish I had, and I I wish I, I wish I had the solution. I feel like I'd be probably more successful person in this world. I was like, Hey, I got, I, I've I've fixed the middle East, but, um, you know, unfortunately I, all I can say is like, love it, love each other and chill. Fucking don't, don't try to kill people. 
I don't know. I mean, it's easy for me to say, but like the dude said, like in the, in the earlier where they were talking to the people on the street, he was like, we have to, you know, you have, unfortunately you do have to root out the whole family too. If one mm-hmm. person's a terrorist, the whole family's terrorist yeah. because that's where those ideas spread and come from. Yeah. So say the world decides that the Israelis are the bad guys. Does that mean that, yeah, we got to root all of you and your families out? No, no. Like it's such a horrible, horrible point of like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's such an unnerving thing to mm-hmm. hear how content he was to yeah. be free of, of yeah, saying that, that. That's what's fucked up is just how casual they are about it. Like yeah. the guy that's like, well, I don't know. It's a tough situation. I guess the best solution would just be to carpet bomb the whole lot of them. Yeah. And you could see some people were real hesitant. Usually the Americans were more like, I mean, I'm going to dance. I know what I believe. Yeah. I know I'm not going to say anything on camera. Mm-hmm. And then the people who aren't Americans are like, oh yeah, fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Just carpet bomb them. Let's just get rid of all of them. Like it's super fucked up. There's another video she shares where she's showing these t-shirts they're selling that shows a pregnant woman in crosshairs. And it says something like, uh, like one stone, two birds or something like that. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, the whole thing. And it's just, what scares me is America's involvement with it. And we just seem a little too buddy, buddy and okay with it. And I'm on both sides, right and left. I'm worried about slipping in some sort of, they've got different brands of their Doritos, but both brands are a fascist Dorito. Right. And what the, 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 the thing that this game, and this is something I've been scared of for a few years, and this might just be my conspiracy nonsense talking, but uh, the little bit I've paid attention to is that we have um, basically this whole situation, the U S is, taking Israel's back in this is mostly what turned the most of the Middle East against the U.S. Oh, for sure. Now, the Middle East is ge- geographically a lot closer to places like Russia and China and therefore has a lot better trading relationships with those countries. So they're they're like we were talking about earlier. They're they're tied up financially. They can't like, you yeah, know, the corporate world. So like, okay, you know, if, if the whole Middle East banded together against the United States and Israel probably wouldn't be great, but it probably wouldn't go their way. Mm -hmm. Um, But with the Middle East, um, (laughs) China and Russia as a combined front. And then, you know, I mean, I'm sure I know there's a lot, we have a lot of European allies, but I mean, America's it's up to America, but if, if America becomes the target, over Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's, that's bad. That's, that could be, that could be something. Oh yeah. That's something I've been worried about. Like, you know, uh, you know, in the back of my mind for, you know, ever since I found out like, Oh, that's kind of what, where the cards are. Like, it's like, it's like a game of risk where like several of the players have all decided that we're, we're all kind of on a team. Mm-hmm. No, that's what I'm saying, man. It's the, uh, you've got a couple corporate backed countries fighting what I guess are legitimate countries and it's corporations fighting and we're fucked as just regular civilians. We're fucking fucked. And I don't think, I don't know. I've been real down on the whole American sort of situation and like real, just not feeling good about it. And it's like, I don't think we'll see any of this shit get better in our lifetimes. No, I mean, like, yeah, it's it's going to be one of those things that comes to a comes to a boil, that, and then mm-hmm. just like, and it's all about like, it's literally the 
it's the internet's come along and it's changed people's way of thinking. We're able to coordinate and communicate a lot more effectively than the common man ever has been able to before, which means we're able to organize a lot mm -hmm. more effectively and understand where the power truly lies. Power system doesn't like that. So they're going to keep their thumb on things. They want to keep the status quo because that's what keeps them powerful. Um, so they're, they're going to, they're not in any hurry to fix things or change things because the current situation and the, the chaos the chaos in which we tr they trust uh, is very uh, is, yeah. is what's what's helping them stay powerful. Because yeah. I mean, I, and I've said this before, and it's it's kind of a, a tr you know a, a heady, trippy kind of like what, like what is wealth really? It's all mm -hmm. a perception, and as long as everyone buys into the same perception, the wealthy get to stay wealthy. But as soon as yeah. we all break away from that, um, that that's the end of their power. Because mm -hmm. oh, we don't want. Turns out that. You, the shiny rocks that you guys have been hoarding that you tell us are worth everything. Well, I can't eat those. I can't burn them. So, uh, yeah, you guys ha can keep all of them. We don't want them anymore. Well, and this is why they fucking like the powers that be around the world fucking hate cryptocurrency. Yeah. Cause they can't regulate it. And like what, whichever way you may land on it, like listeners, it, uh, they can't regulate it. And there's no difference between investing in a stock versus buying cryptocurrency at this point. Yeah. And yeah, they just fucking hate it because these big companies aren't getting a chunk of it. Right. Like it's, it's so, upsetting yeah. the power structure. Yeah. It's the, it's the uh, people who it's basically, it's like Epstein's like, Oh, now anyone can come to my Island. I don't even want it anymore. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, but uh, yeah, you want to wrap this up here? Yeah, I'm good. I, th yeah. I think I said my piece. Yeah. Same here. Um, yeah, like I said at the top, get on down to Riverside Wine and Spirits and Merchants on Main right there across from Pax Brew Room, which also Donnie's show is coming back this Tuesday. And then, uh, yeah, just look into the other places, JJ's, Black Cat. Um, see, where else did we mention? I got a show I want to plug to. Yeah, um, yeah. A friend of Brew Chat, a comedy uh, legend and, and, and mainstay, a super, super busy lady, Bridget Martin. Yeah. Um, she is, she's having a rough go of things, um, racking up some health expenses that I, I don't think anyone should have to bear. Um, unfortunately, talk, you're talking about the state of our, our corporate run country right now. Um, so we're putting together, doing the best we can to try to mm -hmm. raise as much money to help her out on May 28th. So that's going to be a Friday night. Um, it's going to be a, a bunch of comedians. I don't know what the cover is, but definitely we're going to be asking for more. So bring mm -hmm. a bunch of cash that you can throw in the bucket, help bridge it out. Uh, we're going to, we're going to try and do that on the 28th. And uh, likewise, just to piggyback on that, I just realized I could do this since we've got a brew chat store, but yeah, uh, I guess I'll do this up through June 28th. So a month after this show, if you buy a, shirt or a sweatshirt, whatever on the brew chat store, brewchat.com slash store. I will give those proceeds to Bridget's medical expenses. So go buy a shirt. I'm going to give those proceeds to Bridget and, uh, up through June 28th and, uh, yeah, go buy a fucking shirt, support some shit. I think that's all I got to say. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm good. So anyway, yeah. Shit's still fucked people. Arguably, uh, more than ever. I don't know. And it's probably not getting any better. So enjoy the chaos. We'll see you guys next time. Have a good week. This has been episode 34 of In Chaos We Trust.